0: What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam? Welcome to travel edition week 12, actually not week 12, Thanksgiving edition of the DFS Lab. I am JM DeWin, he is Keegan. We will be talking about the Thanksgiving slate, building a roster and talking through some of the angles on it to get a feel for how we might want to attack this slate. So with that, let's get started. One week season. Keegan, I got a story for you. So I see that you have your DraftKings pulled up, ready to go for when we build a roster. I do. Uh, I am I have had my DraftKings account as of this morning permanently deleted by DraftKings. What? <laughs> so on Sunday morning, I was going to put in my my roster. Obviously I'm traveling, you know that, uh, audience can see that. Um, so background for any of you who are new here or aren't aware of this, I live in Oregon where you cannot enter DFS, uh, DraftKings lineups. In order to comply with things, people always say, why don't you just have somebody else enter your lineups for you? Well, I'm like, well, I wanna just comply with things so I don't run into any issues. In order to comply with things, I literally fly to Oakland every week on Tuesday or Wednesday to reserve my lineups in a legal manner in a legal state and then uh, adjust them from Oregon. Never an issue. Um, We're in a Airbnb outside of Branson, Missouri, and there's something with the internet here to where DraftKings is reading it as like me trying to mask my location. And um, so Sunday morning, I got locked out of my account twice as I was trying to change my lineups and enter everything and make my decision. So my, you know, usually I shop through my 150 lineups to select my single entry three max. What I had time for on Sunday morning was just like pick numbers. It was like, all right, roster 36. And I would like scroll down to that and enter that in the power sweep. Then everybody like roster 47. I would scroll down to that and enter that in the power sweep. Yeah. Um, and uh, just cause I had to be back and forth with draft Kings. I got locked out of my account multiple times. Um, they then told me on Sunday morning, they're like, you know, there's this flag on your account now. So if this happens again, you'll be locked out for a longer span of time and there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and so I ke- I've kept that back and forth going throughout Sunday, throughout Monday, throughout Tuesday with customer support to like keep trying to figure out what the issue is and basically let them know like I, am, you should be able to see I'm in one location this whole time. I'm not moving anywhere. Um, and yeah, as of this morning, uh, locked out of my account. So not super concerned about it. Um, you know, I I have a relationship with Jason, who's the CEO of of DraftKings. It'd be sort of a weird, um, a weird reason to leverage that relationship and hit him up. Uh, but if it comes to that, that'll be my solution <laughs> later in the week. So, uh, I currently can't even pull up like DraftKings, but uh, I have looked at pricing and worked through this slate with content. So, yeah, that's my story. Uh, what about you? How are things on your end?
1: Wow, man, nothing that I have to say compares to that. I would I. The level of chill you have right now is ridiculous. I would be sweating so hard in your position.
0: <laughs> well, they've got to figure it out. I mean, I like the, I feel like drafting customer support, generally speaking, is really good. And then on top of that, like I run a content site. So it's valuable to them to get me up and running in that regard. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. It's, it's Wednesday. So I'm curious to see if I'll, I'll be able to play the Thanksgiving slate. Um, but I would imagine that by Sunday I'll be up and running.
1: Yeah. But I mean, they like, even if in the back of your mind, you're like, this will get resolved. There's it's, it's just like the feeling of like, damn, my account is <laughs> <bad> right now.
0: <laughs> the amount of the amount of like stuff that I'm just carrying around in the back of my mind with like running the business and all the money that moves around with like starting up a business like this and all that. I guess I'm just used to just compartmentalizing things and moving on from it, which is where I'm at with, uh, with this one. But yeah, I actually do have, so funny from my writing up the DFS interpretations for this slate, I actually still have DraftKings pulled up on my computer for this slate and can see the pricing, obviously won't be able to enter anything. Um, but I'm supposed to be writing up my DFS interpretations for the um, main slate today and literally can't like pull up DraftKings. So I'm gonna have to like create a, a dummy account under Abby's name just to have access to the slate and be able to see pricing and all that for writing yeah. content. But uh, yeah, strange position to be in. And uh, shout out to DraftKings for having good customer service. Apparently shout out to them for being really vigilant and on top of people entering with like uh, VPNs and masked. Yeah. But geez, I have no man. idea what's going on because they were like telling me what to delete from my computer. And I'm like, no, nah, this is, I, I use, I have two different phones, like one that's, that has like a phone connection and one that I just use for additional stuff, right? Like on Wi-Fi. So I'm like, this is happening from three devices. It's happening from my computer, from two different phones. Um, it's happening on 5G, it's happening on Wi-Fi. So I have no idea what's going on, but um, yeah, I'm in a weird Bermuda Triangle, uh, I guess, outside of Branson where, don't come to just Branson play and play DFS. <laughs> Strange location, yeah. Jeez. Lesson learned. Speaking of, are you gonna be, uh, are you coming to Branson with us next weekend?
1: <laughs> I am not, my wife has to work on Black Friday night. I have to oh, really watch my.
0: Okay. That's that's this weekend though. Next weekend, the uh, the Morero clan's coming out here. I don't know. Were you, I don't were know. you uninvited? Were you not invited to that?
1: I, we, I think we were invited. There's so much going on. I just kind of let Reagan decide that part. For us. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> that, that sounds terrible.
0: That no, sounds no, bad. I know what you mean. Uh, the for a large part, like my my vibe i was talking to poppy about this the other day like he was like yeah i'm the same way it's just like tell me what's happening and i'll be there yeah exactly just i'm just a not generally the same easier way, way to like, yeah what
1: what like the least like the easiest path of resistance you know like the yeah. least yeah. Path of resistance Yep, yeah. and the less
0: i have to put on my plate from like a scheduling standpoint with family stuff uh well if you decide to come your parents are getting a an airbnb mimi and Poppy are getting an airbnb so come hang out with us uh yeah, next we'll weekend
1: a, a together Podcast. doing
0: doing some double doing some double branson on the uh, on this trip so yes, some double some double uh draft kings entry issues apparently um <laughs> all right i know that okay. people like uh people like kind of personal talk get to know us a little bit but people probably are really here for the dfs yeah <laughs> we
1: have, we've been
0: going on for like five
1: minutes about just uh DMS.
0: the uh this this thanksgiving slate which i may or may not be able to play um you had a chance to look at it do you do you typically play the thanksgiving slate uh-uh, I don't. Okay, I nice, agree. nice. Um, it's actually one of my, I, I, so one of my answers in the in the Oracle, which is for Inner Circle members, by the way, um, uh, the, let me pull up this real quickly and share my screen, but the um, on the site, we've got a bunch of Black Friday stuff going on. Uh, share screen. Um, all right, Black Friday, go to the oneweekseason.com, click on the Black Friday link, Uh, You'll see all of our deals on this page. So one of those deals is $49 inner circle for the rest of the season. So if anybody has been watching these shows and has not jumped into anything OWS, um, cool way to check that out. But the Oracle is an inner circle piece where we answer some key strategy questions for the slate. And we had a Thanksgiving edition. I was going through my answers last night and I was saying, I, I always think I'm not going to play this slate. And then I always end up playing it. Um, And that's sort of the mindset I enter with just because it's like, we always travel for Thanksgiving and then there's uh, like, this is the second biggest football day for like viewership behind the Super Bowl, So it's like a big slate for DFS. And so uh, we make a big deal out of it content wise. And and then we have the Black Friday stuff that I'm dealing with on the business side. And then uh, there's still the main slate to get ready for in terms of content preparation. And you lose Thursday with family stuff. So uh, I always think like, ah, this week's two packed, I'm not going to play. Then I always end up playing. Um, And it's generally been, like a a pretty wildly profitable slate for me. Uh, 2020, I took down first place in the game changer in the Thanksgiving slate. So um, I feel like it's a good opportunity for us to kind of talk about how we attack this three game slate. And what's interesting about it is we always want to think about storytelling with our rosters in terms of like, rather than just picking players, we want to say, what is the story that we're telling? We always wanna think about how we can get a little bit unique and different, but the smaller the slate gets, the more powerful those components are. So as an example of what I mean, in that 2020 slate where I took down first in the game changer, uh, that year the Thursday night game got canceled because of COVID. So it was just a two game slate and the Cowboys and commanders who were the Washington football team at the time, uh, Cowboys and commanders were playing on that slate everyone was on Ezekiel Elliott. His projected ownership was like 60 to 70%. Andy Dalton was starting for the Cowboys. So whether people realized it or not, the story they were telling was Cowboys control this game. They try to hide Andy Dalton. This game stays close. They keep the ball on the ground. Ezekiel Elliott smashes. Otherwise you're not rostering him at 60, 70% ownership. So I decided to tell a story of the commanders take control of this game and take a lead and force the Cowboys to throw which would basically be a situation where uh, Ezekiel Elliott becomes not very valuable. And then with Andy Dalton throwing the ball, maybe the commanders you know, are able to just take a lead and the, the Cowboys become less valuable as a whole. So I had Antonio Gibson who ended up going for like 120 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and he was like about 20% on, which is still pretty high, but on a two game slate, that's really low. Right. Meanwhile, Zeke, because the Cowboys, they lost 41 to 16, Zeke put up 3.9 DraftKings points. So it wasn't so much that I was saying, like the decision, so many decisions were made for me by making one decision. My decision was, I'm going to tell a story of the commanders controlling this game. And once I made that one decision, it was like several boxes were checked for me of how to build that roster. So I think that 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 mindset makes things a lot easier on a small slate like this. And it's good practice for how to play showdowns, good practice for how to play other short slates and even how to play the main slate in a plus EV manner is being able to say, okay, what's the story I want to tell. And then you just sort of fill out the roster with that story. And so by telling that one story, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to fade Zeke. I'm going to play Antonio Gibson. I'm going to do like, I wasn't making the decision like that. It was just like, I'm telling the story. And that builds the roster on its own. And then that ends up being the story that plays out. Um, You end up winning. So uh, yeah, that's uh, I think one of the key things to think about on this slate. One of the hard things on this slate is the stories that we might tell are pretty likely to play out, right? Like the lions are seven and a half point favorites. The Cowboys are 11 point favorites. The 49ers are seven point favorites. So it's like, how different can you get with the storytelling? So we also want to think about like, what are the unique things that other people might not do? Like maybe Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery on a roster together, right? Um, Where, They've combined for forty plus points back-to-back games. Or I think right around. I think it's like forty and forty-six the last couple of games. Um, and Christian McCaffrey, most games this season, he's kind of in that like eighteen to twenty-two point range. So it's not like, oh man, but what if McCaffrey goes for thirty-five and we're just left in the dust? So that's one way to get different this week. Another way to get different is leaving some salary on the table. Uh, another way to get different is just like, what are the uh, and if you're a, a member of. OWS or just any other site, you can look at ownership projections for this slate and kind of be like, okay, what are the value plays everybody's on? And then let me just be on different value plays. Um, so yeah, finding some ways to be a little bit different, especially if the stories we're going to tell might be the same stories everybody else is telling. So uh, yeah, that's a lot on my end. Um, any thoughts piggybacking off of that?
1: Yeah. Um, just like in you talking, kind of, I kind of thought like this... Like thanksgiving slate is probably really beneficial for players like you where you don't always necessarily look at the ownership projections um and you more so like obviously a lot of dfs players tell a story and they base their lineups around that story but you really emphasize that in a lot of your um uh, content and uh, the way you play dfs as a whole so i think this slate is definitely beneficial towards you, and um, I think you could help a lot of other players. Uh,
0: I, I will say, I will say, I this on this type of slate, I actually lean into ownership projections a little bit more. The um, that year with the um, that year with the game changer win, um, the internet wasn't working at Mimi and Poppy's house, so I mm-hmm. had to get a room at the Hampton Inn down the street in Claremore, and uh was like back and forth, like driving over there to create my content. And it was the night before you know Thanksgiving and I'd finished all my content, was about to head back. And I was like, you know what, let me spend a couple hours working on a roster. And what I did was I went to ownership, saw how high-owned Zeke was expected to be. And then I just started thinking like, what are the ways that this story could end up, like the story that everybody else is inadvertently telling, what is the ways that it could end up breaking for them and it was like well commanders control this game so i just kind of told that story so there is a component on a slate like this of maybe leaning a little bit more into ownership projection than normal um in order to get that sense of like okay what is everybody else saying on this slate and how do i tell a different story than that
1: okay Hmm. so you want to be obviously everybody wants to be different you want to get different but i i don't know it's i don't play the slate so it's it's a little weird for me um Ownership projections Like like you said 60% owned Obviously that's like a huge amount On a Sunday But for the Thanksgiving slate what, what does that look like What would that be compared to On a Sunday slate would that be like 20%
0: So we've got this right here We've got uh, This is Wednesday afternoon Ownership projections On one week seasons this will change by tomorrow morning But uh, Dak Prescott 29% Brock Purdy, 20, you know, 19.3, uh, Goff, 15.7, Geno, 12.7, Love, 12.1, Howell, 11.3. Uh, and then we've got, actually, this is pretty interesting where we talk about the, um, the potential for like a double Lions build, you, where you got Christian McCaffrey at 45%, Pollard at 38.6. Um, Zach Charbonnet with the ex- expectation, I actually haven't looked at news this morning to see if there's any updates on Kenneth Walker, but expectation that kenneth walker will be out so charbonnet at 28.5 percent um if we have no antonio gibson this brian robinson ownership will likely hold 23.6 percent um but gibbs 33.3 david montgomery 20.6 again like if mccaffrey only scores 20 which has kind of been his typical game this year i can't pull up uh his game logs on my end because i don't have access to DraftKings. but uh you know you can you pull up his game log you see he's typically in this like low 20s range if he puts up another score like that both lions running backs could put up a similar score at a much lower price tag and and lower ownership and a just a unique structure there um aj dylan 20 percent. so one of the things that i would start seeing here is like okay uh let's let's put it like this clearly far like i almost played tommy devito stacks last week because they were playing washington you know what i mean um i ended up playing 12 percent darius slayton last week and he put up 18.2 DraftKings points and left the game in the third quarter. Like, <laughs> like this is how bad this Washington defense has been. Clearly, Dak to CeeDee Lamb is the, the best stack on this slate, right? So the fact that we're seeing, and this might change, right, but the fact that we're seeing Dak at 29%, but then all these, other, like, the other 70% is these other five quarterbacks, um, the, it almost looks like the field is expressing too little confidence in Dak. And so one way to build is to say, this is for if you're playing like single entry three max, um, which is what I play on the Thanksgiving slate. If you're playing MME, obviously you take all the different angles, but uh, one way to build would be to say, well, DAC is far and away the best play. And I would take that at 30% ownership uh, and then see where I can get different in other spots, right? Because raw points are gonna matter more on this slate than salary multipliers. So if Purdy puts up you know, a 24 pointer and DAC puts up a 28 pointer, some people might be like, oh, well, salary multipliers, it's about the same. But like the 28-pointer is just more valuable because there's going to be fewer 28-point scores on a slate like this. So uh, I I would always think about raw score on a slate like this. And that's kind of where I think the trap that people – will not to say that McCaffrey can't hit for 30-plus, but the trap that people could fall into with CMC is saying like, oh, well, CMC is clearly going to put up the top raw score at running back. But when you look through his game logs, that really hasn't been the case this season. Um, yeah, he's
1: got 25 – he's hit 25 points four times this year, like 25-plus.
0: Okay, And that's out of, you know, 10 10 games that they've played so far this year. So, um, yeah, that kind of gives a sense of, you know, that's over half his games that he's finishing below 25 points, a couple of them with around 14 points. So, obviously, he has that upside within his range. But I think what people – something we've talked about is his usage isn't old CMC usage. It's not 10, 11, 12 targets. It's like he's averaging about 17, 18 carries a game. He's averaging, you know, around five targets a game which is basically the same workload that a lot of these other guys see. It's the same workload while well, Tony Pollard carries her down um, since the first part of the season. But it's like kind of the same workload that Pollard was seeing earlier in the year. Obviously, CMC is a much better player. Uh, he's, his role in the red zone is like really not much better than, than Pollard's, but he's much better himself in the red zone. But you're like betting putting so many eggs in the basket of like CMC is a really good player at super high ownership. So I think that's one of the places where you could zig where other people are zagging. Uh, If you end up going like DAC and CMC, then you got to think about where you're going to get different in other spots on your roster. Um, CD Lamb, 34%. Honestly, like if this were on the main slate, 34% CD Lamb wouldn't like at this price tag, like that would almost make sense. You know, 34% CD Lamb on the main slate uh i'm gonna ross st brown only three games this year above i believe it's only three games above 22 DraftKings points um so he's so good he's such a central part of their offense but he's not like a tyree kill or what CeeDee lamb has been two of two of his last four games with those 40 pointers um he's not a, he's not a uh, jamar chase like he's not going to put up one of these he has one 40 pointer it's like a 39 pointer on his ledger throughout his career and everything else has been kind of these low 30s and then these like mid Teens to high teens, low 20s. So, uh, yeah, seeing Amon Ross St. Brown at the same ownership as CD Lamb is another thing that should stand out to us. So, this could be a week where obviously this still like DAC plus CD Lamb is still about 25% of a tournament field in what we're seeing here. So, it's not like you're automatically carving out a, a path to first place, but we do kind of see you can play optimal on this slate in single entry three max and not feel like you're just like. Drowning in ownership alongside uh, everybody else. You know, Terry McLaurin, here's a crazy stat I uh, pulled up last week. Sam Howell, who, who we know, Washington throws the ball a ton. Sam Howell, 24 pass attempts inside, I believe it's 24 inside the 10 yard line heading into last week. Nine different pass catchers on Washington had targets inside the 10. Uh, nobody had more than five targets. And that was, I believe, Logan Thomas had five targets. And then, like, the next two guys were Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson with four. Uh, and then, like, Uh, Brian Robinson with two or three and McLaurin with two. So it's like they spread the ball around so much. Only one instance all season of a, of a Washington pass catcher going over hundred yards. So again, Terry McLaurin, like you might get that nice salary multiplier, 17, 18 points, but can he put up 30? Probably not. So yeah, I mean, just like a lot of different ways to get different this week. And then we can kind of look down at the value range and see, okay, Juwan Jennings is never going to put up like a 20 pointer, Uh, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds is is interesting. Josh Reynolds still playing about 60 to 70% of the snaps. um, And, you know, could end up with one of these. He had a 23 pointer earlier in the year with Amon Ross St. Brown playing where he had 60, I think it was five catches, 66 yards and two touchdowns. So um, he's capable of a game like that. Uh, Jalen Tolbert and Michael Gallup right here, both guys who are playing about half of the Cowboys snaps. Tolbert three straight games with five targets. Um, Michael Gallup's targets kind of bounce around, but. You know, Brandon Cooks, it's like he has a game of 10 targets, a game of seven. Every other game this year, he has four. Uh, Jalen Tolbert has three straight games of five targets. So Brandon Cooks on the field a lot more, a better wide receiver all around, like a more seasoned wide receiver. But Tolbert has those opportunities to put up um, a nice score. So um, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, another couple of guys who kind of a little bit overlooked given like their paths to 20 points. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some interesting ways to play around with things. Uh, on this slate tucker craft should be filling in at tight end for green bay so that's a nice way to save salary and maybe get a little bit different um and then you could always get crazy with the seattle tight ends who can sort of randomly catch a touchdown pass um defense i don't really see ways to get too dramatically different because commanders seahawks packers all kind of just bad on paper plays um so I, I would kind of stick to these three higher owned, higher priced defenses. But again, you can see because people want to use game theory, they want to do things differently. 30% total ownership, 33% total ownership among these three bottom tier defenses. So that's still, you know, 33% of the field that might just take the L at defense uh, and give you that edge. Um, if Tony Pollard puts up yet another 12 point game, you know, you don't roster him, that's 38.6% of the field that's just taking the L at that running back spot. So I think that there's a lot to play around with. And um, this is sort of the week, uh, type of week where, yeah, I ingest ownership projections a lot more and then kind of use that to inform, like, how can I get different in the story that I, that I want to tell.
1: Okay. So when you start your thought process, you started with the ownership projections and then try and get different, um, elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Where the, and obviously the mistake a lot of people make there is they like, they see a low owned player and then they just create a story of how that guy could hit. Like we still want to play good plays, but we want to figure out how to like leverage this ownership to kind of um, maneuver things in our direction.
1: Yeah. I I think my, my thoughts are changing a little bit, like as we're talking, but my original um, thoughts were, don't think about the ownership, make a good story, play a few separate ones on a few different single entry three max Contest and see what happens but yeah uh, i like like your strategy a lot um
0: it's been i mean it's it's been and there's like crazy things happen right in and when crazy things happen they're amplified on small slate. so 2017 le garrett blunt had like one of the worst possible running back matchups and he wasn't a good running back and he scored three touchdowns on the ground and because it's a 2017 i think was maybe even before they'd added the thursday night games it was probably a two-game slate But because of that, even though he was a bad play, he's still gonna get 20 to 25 to 30% ownership, right? Um, So on like 2017 Thanksgiving slate, I didn't make money. And there's gonna be slates like that. And I have to understand again, because I'm playing uh, single entry. Sometimes I think last year I played three max, but usually I play single entry on this slate. There's gonna be years where I just don't make money because I'm not gonna be on like the bad plays that could hit. But if I zoom out and I look like macro, Most slates on this Thanksgiving slate, I mean, most years on this Thanksgiving slate, I end up profitable. And that's kind of because I think people lean too far into these bad plays saying like, ooh, maybe we get this LeGarrette Blunt three touchdown game and they spread out so much of their ownership hunting for that. That if you kind of play uh, like just good plays around a cohesive story, you end up gaining a nice edge. Um, One other thing, I, I think an interesting strategy angle, there was a question in the Oracle this week about, leveraging late swap on this slate because they're, you know, all three games are in three different time slots and there's like usually like an hour between one game ending and another game starting. So you really have a lot of time to leverage late swap. So one of the things I noticed kind of trying to um, dig into my answer for that question was the, um, the lions and Packers, they have between those two teams, they have only three instances all season of a player scoring 27.7 or more DraftKings points. Uh, sort of an arbitrary number, but we'll see kind of why I chose that number. But uh, Amon Ross Amon St. Brown's done it twice. David Montgomery did it once, actually against the Packers earlier this year. Um, the Cowboys have had eight different players do it this year. Uh, the So basically Green Bay's had nobody score 27.7 or more. Uh, the Lions have had three. The Cowboys have had eight guys do that. The Commanders have had six instances of that happening. The 49ers, I believe it was, have also had eight instances of that happening. So the there is edge in just like not playing the early game because if Amon Ross St. Brown does go for one of his sort of more rare 30-pointers, well, you can still catch that type of score later in the slate. Like you probably don't have the salary to play you won't have the salary to play CMC and C.D. Lamb and Amonara St. Brown or like Kittle or Ayuk and C.D. Lamb and Amonara St. Brown. So you can kind of be like, well, let me just see what happens in the first game and then build my roster after that. Because if there's just tons of ownership on Jared Goff and he puts up 23 points and uh, St. Brown, and he puts up 19 and, you know, players from the green Bay side of this game. Now, granted, like we said, Romeo Dobbs is kind of nice, value. Um, the, I don't even remember the name of the tight end craft. I think it is, is nice value for the, uh, the Packers at tight end, uh, Tucker craft. Um, and, um, and Jaden Reed is nice value at tight end, which by the way, I had a bunch of Jaden Reed last week, shout out to him for his 32 um, yard rushing touchdown that, mm-hmm. that, uh, have helped get me there last week. But, um, but yeah, the, the, there's certainly value in just being like, you know what, I'm going to leave this game alone altogether and then build a scenario around like this game being sort of underwhelming nobody putting up a score you had to have and then you just sort of build out um, from these last two games on the slate so i think that's an interesting angle to pursue on our on our sort of practice build here just to kind of get a sense of what that might look like and, and then that gives you m- massive flexibility to say you know if saint brown hits in the early early window then you recognize like ooh you know like maybe i need to get maybe i need to over prioritize like adding a Kittle or IOC or CMC to my CD lamb roster in order to maximize my chance of getting like double 30 point scores. Uh, Whereas if, if St. Brown doesn't hit, you have a little bit more flexibility to say like to tell stories in a different way, right? Where maybe you're like, Hey, maybe CD lamb hits, maybe nobody else goes for 30 plus. So then I can kind of go more mid range. So you can, you can maneuver around the way that you want to build based on what happens in that early game. Okay. Sweet. Um,
1: I kind of want to do what you're talking about with the just taking the ownership on this with the DAC and CD and then doing a little bring back with Logan Thomas.
0: Oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And I like it because uh, Logan Thomas is he's cheap. He's, you know, he's averaging 10 DraftKings points a game. Um, Jake Ferguson's averaging 10.2. So they're kind of in that same range, but you get the bring back. Uh softest matchup, you know, uh Cowboys obviously just a great defense all around, but uh their so- the softest matchup against them is the tight end. Interesting stat that Hilo pulled up this this week that the Cowboys have given up six touchdowns to tight ends. And then I think it's like six touchdowns to running backs and seven to wide receivers. Now, granted, that's with a three touchdown game to George Kittle, but um, you know, it's just like a softer matchup against tight ends than, than it is against wide receivers have been like brutalized by the Cowboys defense this year. So um so yeah, that's a nice way to do that. Another thing to think about here is when we talk about how do we get a little bit unique. Um, Overstacks are going to be less common just because people don't lean into that as much. So something like Dak, Ceedee Lamb, and even two other pass catchers like going Brandon Cooks and Jalen Tolbert or Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup, because on this type of slate you you're not necessarily if you if you miss it's because the game itself is missing right and so. Yeah. Because of that, if there's only three games, so if all three games kind of miss, you're not really killing yourself. But then you also give yourself that pathway that that if the Cowboys put up 40 points and have a huge passing game against uh, – like look back to um, the Texans against the Bucks, right, where three different guys had 30 points. Or even look at the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago where Lamb had 40 and, um, and Brandon Cooks had like 35, right? Um, It gives you that opportunity for if the game plays out that type of way, you're getting all the points. So we don't necessarily have to lock that in just yet, but that gives us like something else to think about on, on this type of build.
1: I think the, maybe there are some people that have the same thought as me with this. I think there's like a underlying fear of uh, the Cowboys defense being too good in this scenario. And maybe the commanders cannot keep up and the Cowboys kind of slow it down near the second half and um the game just slows down as a whole and they start running it more what are you but couldn't,
0: couldn't we have had that fear against the giants uh two weeks ago when they ended up putting up you know yeah true D- Dak put up his monster game Ceedee lamb put up his monster game yeah. and where you know the so the cowboys come out of the bye they've been super pass heavy they were pass heavy against the rams uh they were pass heavy against the Eagles, which everybody's pass heavy against the Eagles. They were pass heavy against the Giants, which you can run against them or pass against them. And then they played the Panthers, who they're hard to pass against, easy to run against. And the Cowboys, as we kind of expected, ended up being more run leaning in this spot. There's two things at play here. One, the Commanders, you can same, same as the Giants, you can run or pass, but it's so easy to pass against them. I mean, it's just been brutalized by every passing attack. And then on top of that, the games where you typically see a team like keep their foot on the gas, like stomp on the opponent's throat type games are usually divisional games. So we saw it in 2021 where the Bengals, that was the Bengals Super Bowl run, where the Bengals were like establishing themselves as a dominant team in the NFL. And all season, if they had a lead, they would play really conservatively. And then two times they played the Ravens, and both ga- games they just kept their foot on the gas the entire game. One of those games, Burrow had, I think it was over 500 passing yards uh in that game and they won it like 41 to 17 and they were just like look we're the kings of the nfc north now right and so this is kind of a similar type of situation where with the cowboys and the giants a couple weeks ago playing playing a division opponent like i said this is the most watched day of nfl football outside the super bowl so uh good chance for the cowboys to be like hey look we're a dominant team we're going to stomp on this division opponent so um no i could i could see that fear but i would lean and i would think that fear is baked into the ownership that we're seeing and people leaning into tony pollard whereas i see it more like yeah but what if the cowboys stomp on them and then it's not tony pollard getting a bunch of run it's rico dowdle because the cowboys are up by um you know three scores halfway through the third quarter and and they've taken the starters off the field so um which you can even tell this story by putting rico dowdle onto this roster you know what i mean like um that's the way that you especially in large field play if you're going to build a bunch of rosters put him onto some of these cowboys mega stacks but um, yeah, I see that. I see that side of things, but I think that that fear is sort of baked into the ownership we're seeing. And so um, we can also look at it from a different angle and see the pathways to this, this really hitting at a big level.
1: Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Um, this is a Thanksgiving slate seems like a very learning type of slate. It really is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good practice for... Um, you know, it's like larger than a showdown. It's obviously smaller than the main slate, but it's a lot of the same principles we want to apply on the main slate, but kind of in like a more compact um, space. And so it really allows us to lean into the principles that create winning DFS rosters as opposed to just solely picking players. Um, Yeah. Where with 10 games, 11 games, 12 games on a main slate, there's a lot more opportunities for all these little things that we pull in to like just not really play out. But on a smaller slate, you kind of have an opportunity to really look at exactly what might happen and how you can how you can leverage that um yeah so defense any thoughts on i mean i really don't have any major thoughts on on defense you know the big games from dak have all coincided with kind of lower games from the cowboys defense makes sense because if the cowboys defense is scoring a touchdown then that's a full possession taken away from the cowboys offense right it's like
1: yeah i was was kind of thinking we don't play the cowboys on this one and we play the
0: yeah yeah so lions you're thinking um and that that also would play into either thing that we could do next which is either deciding let's just fade that lions packers game or saying let's play both lions running backs uh and bet on you know them just controlling this game on the ground i mean pull up these game logs for gibbs and montgomery these these last two games where we see both them scoring 20 plus each of the last two games so we've got uh Gibbs 20. there with what was it, 26 and 21, and then Montgomery. Yep. Okay, 17.8 and 20.6. So um you put those together and you're getting about 40 points, you know, from these two guys, which Brian Robinson could get you 20 points, you know, with his pass catching role against the Cowboys. Uh Charbonnet could get you 20 points with a pass catching role in a bad match against the 49ers. Uh Pollard could get his second 20-point game of the entire season, but it's like very clearly like CMC could put up 20. Both these guys could put up around 20, and they could be like the top two highest scoring running backs on the slate, or number one and number three, or number two and number three. So, uh, I think it's an interesting angle to think about.
1: So, um, Montgomery scares me a little bit just because it seems like those past two games, uh, those points were touchdown reliant. Um, But I'm still totally down to do both of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've the and guess, same thing. So is, I mean, so is Gibbs. Yeah, yeah, they've combined for five touchdowns. They do yeah. have like. The last time I looked, it was a couple weeks ago. Last time I looked, the the Lions' pass play rate in the red zone was like 39%. So a typical NFL team's pass play rate is like 55 to 60%. So 55 to 60% of the time they're going to throw the ball. You get up to like the commanders are like 68, 69% of the time they throw the ball. Um, The Lions, when they get in the red zone, they just like, don't pass the ball like over 60% of the time it's a run in the red zone. So that's sort of like the touch. I mean, that's why we saw Jamal Williams put up what was it? 18 touchdowns last year. So like relying on touchdowns for our production is always a little bit scary because it's not as projectable. It's not as bankable, but we can kind of look and say, well, this is more bankable for the lions than it would be for a typical team. So um, I definitely get that fear. I mean, I think that would be one of the reasons to be like, okay, let's build a roster without these guys. But it's definitely an interesting angle to play, and it it creates one of these pathways where we can say what would make our roster unique or different. Uh, This is one of the ways to do it for sure.
1: Man, we can grab Brandon Cooks too, and then get that extreme stack or what? Mega stack is that? Mega
0: stack. Yeah, we can go with um, we can go with Tolbert or Gallup if we want to. And then what's Tolbert? Tolbert, I think it's three thousand two hundred. 3, yeah there's Tolbert 3100 um so interestingly this might give us enough for Brandon I it Ooh. does <laughs> so um yeah this gives us just like a uh a, a like a super like let's say the Cowboys pass for four touchdowns let's say the Lions rush for four touchdowns um we're so like we're just telling two stories right yeah. Cowboys pass for four touchdowns Lions rush for four touchdowns and those two things happen, and we get what is it, um, four, five, six of our roster spots right, you know, and then we Logan Thomas kind of trails that as the bring back. So we get really seven roster spots right by getting two things right, two two stories correct. Those are kind of extreme stories, but they're also stories that could very easily and very obviously play out. Um, and then we also have uh, Iok at twenty one point nine percent projected ownership. So if we kind of get, um, well, actually, there's really nothing that we could pivot off of. Um, DK Metcalf 23%, I 22% Lockett 19%. Um, I was going to say, you know, if we're kind of behind heading into that last game, we could pivot that last spot based on what we would need from that last spot. But, um, kind of looks like we would just stick with that, that Brandon I play, um, obviously could move to DK because it's fine to leave salary on the table. That's also another way to make our roster a little bit different is get down to like DK Metcalf, leave some salary on the table. Even Tyler Lockett leave some salary on the table, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, this is a pretty sick roster. I almost That's wish we had a dope roster. The, uh, hey, this hasn't been published yet. We could just save this for, for ourselves. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a really dope roster and, like, just fits well with, with what works on slates like this Uh, in terms of, like, the stories that we can tell, the ways that we can kind of put those stories together. So, um, yeah, I like this. And I think it was a good, good discussion just around – like how to attack this this type of slate but then also like like you said like a good learning experience for how to attack larger slates as well you got any other thoughts on this before we move out
1: yeah it's it's just funny seeing all the the black Dallas pieces on there you know where it's the highlighted (laughs) d-a-l-d-a-l-d-a-l on one roster man i've never built something like this so this is fun
0: but you know we also see you know uticao took down i mean he took down like everything a few weeks ago with uh a roster like this around the Texans. Um, we, you know, we see uh, Osmo do rosters like this all the time where it's a lot of weekends. It's not going to hit, but the weekends when it does hit, nobody else is building this way. And so you're so far ahead of the field um, because again, you know, I was, I'll run through this real quickly, but uh it was talking on the inner circle podcast yesterday, which is our training pod or the winter circle podcast, which is our training podcast for inner circle members. And I was talking about like, Total points available from an offense, which is something people don't think about enough. Um, and so, a typical offense, they're like all their skill position points combined is going to be around fifty-five to seventy-five DraftKings points. So, in other words, when you think like you know, so you take Ayuk, CMC, Kittle, Debo, what's their combined score on a given week? Usually, for that team, it's usually going to be like sixty-five to eighty points. Um, you take all the pieces of the Jags, put them, you know, Etienne, Ingram, Ridley, Kirk. Put all their points together it's usually going to be like 55 to 65 points so when you think about like can i get a 30 pointer from this offense well you're kind of pulling from this bucket of the total points this offense is scoring right so i say that to say and for this discussion i say that to say that week against the the buccaneers houston's main pieces combined for 112 points so typically you're getting like 55 to 75 points from the, all the skill position players on an offense. And that week Houston skill position players combined for 112. So you see how these overstacks end up becoming so valuable because on a week like that, where a team goes for, you know, or, or like there are the two weeks before Justin Fields got hurt, Cole commit and DJ Moore combined for 60 and 70 points, just the two of them. So those weeks where like things hit at a really high level, you know, Justin Fields throws, throws four touchdown passes, like, people aren't building for that scenario. And so you get all the points and move past everybody. Uh, and then the weeks where they kind of hit like just that moderate outcome, you still get all the points. And you know you take one dud on your roster, but a lot of times people take one dud on their roster with their with their stacks from other games. So um, it just is really a, a valuable way to approach DFS in general. And it's part, part of the reason it's valuable is because it's so underused. So um, on a small slate, again, it's like a differentiator, a nice way to get uh, ahead of the field. And yeah, um, just a cool way to build on this particular slate. So there obviously, say this to you guys watching, listening to this, there's a lot of different ways to attack a slate like this. This is just one potential way to attack. So this is not saying like, this is the way that you should attack or saying this is the way that um, that's going to be like the winning pathway on this particular week. So this take this discussion more as uh, how to think through a slate like this and then build your rosters around whatever stories you want to tell, but at the same time, this is kind of the clearest pathway for this slate to play out. Um, So this is one of the pathways that you can consider in some different ways you can build interesting rosters around it. Um, Fun show. Uh, Keegan, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
1: Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
0: Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, What are you doing uh, tomorrow?
1: Uh, I'm going
0: over to my in-laws. Okay, right on. Nice. Um, Cool. Well, I will, I'll see you at some point this next, I think we come back we come back to Oklahoma on Saturday and then we're, uh, I think out at the cottage until like Thursday or something like that. So I don't know. I'm sure I'll see you at some point this next week, yeah, but um, but I'll see you and we'll see you guys on the site. Again, those Black Friday deals, go check those out. Um, I'm going to go find out if my DraftKings account is is back up and running, if I'll be able to play this slate or not. And uh, we will see you guys on OWS throughout the weekend. We will see you back here for the DFS, DraftKings main slate DFS lab on Saturday, uh, FanDuel DFS lab on Friday. And we will see you at the top of the leaderboards on Thanksgiving.